Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paul Stoutenberg walked into his office and froze. Something wasn't right. But what? He looked around. Stoutenberg worked as a patent lawyer for the highest-profile piece of technology in the world in 1946, the atomic bomb. All the details of its construction, all the blueprints, were right there in his office. It was the highest concentration of atomic secrets in the world, which, of course, would make his office a prime target for stealing atomic secrets. And the pressure of keeping those secrets was eating at Stoutenberg. Right now, for instance, he swore something was wrong. But what? He examined every item on his desk. You can imagine him thinking, is that where I left my stapler yesterday? Did someone move it? Next thing, he's holding things up to the light or peeking under his desk, looking for fingerprints or footprints or other signs of a break-in. Then he saw it. He picked up some files and found a folder he had been looking for yesterday. He'd searched his whole office then and couldn't find it. Now here it was. Had he simply overlooked it? Or had someone taken it and put it back? He just didn't know. And that lack of certainty left him furious. Perhaps he slammed the folder down. Something was going on. He was sure of it. But what? The thing was, Stoutenberg was right. Something was going on inside his head. He was slowly being driven mad by paranoia. Paranoia that would soon destroy him and lead him to shoot his wife and daughter. To this day, no one knows why. Was he simply trying to protect them? Or was he caught in the web of something bigger, something darker and more deadly? Something perhaps related to those atomic secrets. From the Science History Institute, this is Sam Keen and the Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciencey history podcast, where footnotes become the real story. Believe it or not, the U.S. government patented the atomic bomb during World War II, which <laughs> seems faintly ridiculous, no? Usually, you patent something for commercial protection, so you can sell it and make money. But the government obviously wasn't selling atomic bomb cores like vacuum cleaners. So why patent the bomb's components? A few reasons. First, to credit the scientists involved. They had done innovative work creating the bomb parts, and they wanted credit. And when you patent something, you list the inventor. Second, the atomic bomb was closely related to atomic power. 
and the U.S. government wanted to push atomic power after World War II. Getting a patent on different components of the bomb would therefore ensure that atomic power remained a public good. But patenting had downsides as well. First, you have to submit a blueprint for whatever you're patenting, and atomic bomb cores were no exception. What if those blueprints fell into enemy hands? Even worse, during the Manhattan Project to build the atomic bomb, everything, and I mean everything, was compartmentalized. Each scientist knew only one tiny bit of the big picture, and what they did know they had to keep very secret. Now, this secrecy led to constant fights and frustrations for the scientists involved. Scientists, frankly, are more curious than cats. They love asking why, why, why? It drove them batty to run into walls of secrecy. But the military insisted. Secrecy ensured that no one person could put together a bomb themselves. However, patenting the bomb worked against that secrecy. Overall, a few government lawyers filed 2,100 separate patent applications for different atomic bomb parts. This inadvertently channeled all those atomic secrets into one place. And that one place was Paul Stoutenberg's office. Stoutenberg was born in Ohio in 1901. He had a wide face with a sleepy smile and slicked-back auburn hair. In the 1920s, he earned a law degree in Washington, D.C. There, he also met his wife, Anna, and in 1934, the couple had a daughter named Mary Alice. Stoutenberg joined the Army late during World War II, in July 1945. Seven months later, he resigned and joined the government agency in charge of the Manhattan Project. His job involved managing the agency's secret atomic patents. Frankly, the job did not go well. Working with atomic secrets changed Stoutenberg. Friends recall him starting to say strange things, like claiming that papers would go missing from his desk one day and mysteriously reappear the next. He sounded paranoid. The obvious worry for him was Soviet spies. Although the U.S. and Soviet Union were allies during World War II, the two nations quickly turned on each other afterward and became enemies. And Soviet leader Joseph Stalin was desperate to get his own atomic bombs, by hook or crook, or espionage. The fear of espionage was not just speculation, either. In September 1945, a clerk at a Soviet embassy in Canada defected. In doing so, the clerk stole reams of documents that revealed extensive Soviet spy rings in Canada and the U.S. This included spies and agencies working on atomic bombs. Frustratingly, the documents were light on details. No one knew who the spies were, only that they existed. But that just made people more paranoid. Anyone, anyone you worked with, could be a spy. Fear of spies began to eat away at Stoutenberg's brain. After all, papers were going missing from his desk. At least he thought so. Regardless, he begged his bosses to tighten things up. It's not clear what he recommended specifically. Perhaps fatter locks on the doors, or stricter control over who saw what. But we do know his boss's reaction. They ignored him. They did nothing. Which crushed Stoutenberg. Here he was, trying to protect his country and his family from menacing Soviet spies. And no one seemed to care. Stoutenberg soon grew depressed, and he began to deteriorate mentally. There are reports of him scrawling equations on the walls of his home 
no one knows why. And sadly, Stoutenberg could not keep his paranoia and fear bottled up. He soon lashed out in the worst possible way, on his innocent wife and daughter. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in true accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The tragedy started to unfold with a telephone call. It was a Sunday in March 1946. 12-year-old Mary Alice Stoutenberg had a play date with a friend to go roller skating. But Mary Alice never showed up. So the mother of her friend called Anna Stoutenberg, Mary Alice's mother, to see what happened. The mother listened to the phone ring, and ring, and ring. No one picked up. It wasn't like the Stoutenbergs to flake out like this. So the mother called up Anna Stoutenberg's brother. She asked if he had heard from Anna recently. He had not. So he agreed to visit the Stoutenberg home in Northwest DC to check on them. Even from the outside, things looked suspicious. Two newspapers were sitting on the front step. Then the brother peeked into the garage and saw the family car sitting there. So the Stoutenbergs were not traveling or away. Fighting down his panic, the brother called the police. The police came right over. They smashed a window in the back door and entered. The first floor was eerily quiet. Then they trudged upstairs and walked in to a bloodbath. They found the first body in the hallway. Lying half in and half out of a bedroom was Anna, the wife and mother. She was wearing a black coat and had a bullet wound to the back of her skull. Inside the room, the police found Stoutenberg sprawled across the bed. 
He was wearing pajamas and a smoking jacket. The right temple of his skull was blown to pulp. A 25 caliber pistol was lying near his hand. Saddest of all, the police found little Mary Alice on the far side of the bed. She also had a bullet wound to the temple. Then the police looked closer. To their shock, they realized she was still breathing. She must have been lying there for over 24 hours, but she was alive. The police rushed Mary Alice to Walter Reed Hospital. Doctors there did their best to revive her, but she was too far gone to save. She never woke up from a coma and died a week later. This triple death left the Stoutenberg's friends and family in agony. What happened? What had gone wrong? The obvious answer was that Paul Stoutenberg had finally snapped. His paranoia about spies and leaks had been deepening for months. Perhaps he had finally grown convinced that America's enemies would soon obtain the bomb. After that, he figured, the world could hardly avoid a nuclear war, a nuclear holocaust. The pain and suffering would be unimaginable. So perhaps Stoutenberg decided to kill his wife and daughter in a twisted act of mercy, to spare them from the apocalyptic future he foresaw. But while that was the obvious answer, was it the correct one? Not everyone thought so. In the months and years after the deaths, rumors began swirling about certain aspects of the Stoutenberg tragedy, things that didn't quite add up. For instance, the police found Paul Stoutenberg next to a 25 caliber pistol. But acquaintances claimed that he did not own a 25 caliber pistol, only a 45. Moreover, Stoutenberg had joined the army late in life. And while he went through some training, he was reportedly a terrible marksman. But he had clearly gunned down his wife. She had been fleeing, probably panicked. Yet he had taken her out with a single round to the back of the skull. How did a poor marksman make that shot? Now, to be clear, the rumor about him not owning a 25 caliber pistol is just that, a rumor. Maybe he owned one and didn't tell anyone. And maybe he just got lucky in gunning down his wife. But those things do give you pause. And those were not the only suspicious things. The Manhattan Project was pretty much the embodiment of security paranoia. As one historian said, if you even sneezed near Los Alamos during World War II, the Manhattan Project would have opened a file on you. In fact, in some ways, Stoutenberg's paranoia did not really stand out. Lots of people in and around the Manhattan Project were obsessed with security. In perhaps the strangest incident, the Manhattan Project investigated Superman, <laughs> the comic book character. I put together a bonus episode about this at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. It is a wild story involving Hitler, the SS, even Santa Claus. All that and more at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. Given all that paranoia about security, you'd think that Stoutenberg's death would have caused panic in certain government circles. After all, the man had access to more atomic secrets than anyone alive, and he had just died suddenly and violently. That's probably worth investigating. Odds are he simply snapped, but better to make sure, right? Except there was no investigation. Military intelligence, the FBI, the precursor to the CIA, they just shrugged. None of them even looked into Stoutenberg's death. At least, not officially. 
A few years ago, a historian started poking around in the Stoutenberg affair. He found that the FBI did have a file on Stoutenberg, but the FBI destroyed the file in 2001. Again, no one knows why. Now, the destruction of the file says nothing by itself. The FBI destroys old files all the time for boring, bureaucratic reasons. Heck, maybe somebody just needed a file cabinet and started purging. Then again, the FBI holds onto a lot of old, useless files as well. Why destroy Stoutenberg's? Was something in there? Now, I don't want to fan the flames of conspiracy. People have speculated about some wild things with regard to Stoutenberg. That he uncovered a KGB plot to steal atomic blueprints, and that the KGB snuffed him out and made it look like a murder-suicide. Or perhaps the KGB simply threatened him, and Stoutenberg killed himself and his family rather than let them fall into their clutches. Or hell, maybe Stoutenberg discovered an American-led plot of some sort. To be clear, there is no evidence for any of that. But the silence surrounding Stoutenberg's death, the complete lack of an official investigation, makes a lot of sober people think twice. The man with access to more atomic secrets than anyone in the world suddenly kills himself, and the already pretty paranoid officials at the Manhattan Project just yawn? It doesn't make sense. But even laying aside a potential conspiracy, there's something else I find fascinating about this story. Fascinating and heartbreaking. Let's use Occam's razor and assume Stoutenberg simply snapped. He killed his family because he thought atomic secrets were being stolen. And in his twisted mind, he wanted to protect them somehow. But in truth, that whole mad chain of logic was based on faulty assumptions. Because you can make a good case that there was no secret of the atomic bomb. In some sense, the whole idea of secrecy there is a myth. What I mean is this. There were certainly aspects of the atomic bomb we did not want falling into enemy hands, especially with regard to plutonium bombs. Plutonium bombs required a lot of intricate, innovative parts. Even the existence of plutonium itself was a secret for a long time. Uranium bombs were different. To blow up a uranium nuke, you needed to start a runaway chain reaction in uranium. And all the scientific knowledge about starting a runaway chain reaction in uranium had been published by 1939. In other words, any competent physicist in the world knew how to make a uranium bomb before World War II even started. The real barrier then to atomic bombs was not secret knowledge. It was material. Runaway chain reactions require enriched uranium, which takes ruinous amounts of time, energy, and money. During World War II, enriching uranium cost something like a billion dollars and required years of work from tens of thousands of people. Making a uranium bomb then did not require hidden knowledge, a secret formula on a blackboard in a locked room. No, it just required machines and factories and billion-dollar budgets. And trust me, uranium bombs can do plenty of damage. So why was there so much secrecy surrounding the Manhattan Project? partly to guard the secrets of plutonium, but mostly because the military ran the project and military people didn't understand that with uranium bombs, there wasn't that much of a secret to guard. Military people were secretive by nature and they couldn't let the habit go. But to the scientists involved, all the fuss over secrecy seemed irrational and absurd. They knew the enemy would figure things out eventually, even with plutonium bombs. 
Secrecy could delay the enemy by a few months or years, which can be important. Delays can win you a war, even. But if the enemy has enough time, money, and will, you simply cannot keep the bomb out of their hands forever. And to me, that's what makes the Stoutenberg case so heartbreaking. He seemingly murdered his wife and daughter from a fear of secrets being exposed. But many of those secrets were not secrets at all, at least not worth one's dying for. The only thing that got exposed was the sadly deranged state of Paul Stoutenberg's own mind. This is the Disappearing Spoon Podcast, brought to you by the Science History Institute. Find out more about their library, museum, and multimedia magazine at sciencehistory.org. Make sure you check out the Science History Institute's other awesome podcast, Distillations. You can find their in-depth narrative stories and interviews about everything from space junk to sex, drugs, and migraines anywhere you get your podcast and on their website, distillations.org. You can find more incredible stories from my books at samkeen.com. You can also book me as a speaker at your school or event. If you like this podcast, please support it at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. It costs as little as seven cents per day. You can also get bonus episodes and signed books. Please spread the word to others as well and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or other places. This episode was written by me, Sam Keen. It was mixed by Jonathan Pfeffer and produced by Mariel Carr, Rigoberto Hernandez, and Padmini Raghunath. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.